to Harvest Australia podcast. We trust you will be blessed by this message from Senior Leader Marty Manuel. Peace. That's my topic for this morning, peace. I like peace. It's not something that I always used to like. I used to like busyness. But I've found, um, I'm 41 now, and um, I've found that after particularly the last, say, 20 years um, of doing life as busy as you possibly can, I think you tend to do that once you leave school, you try and get into everything and anything you possibly can, and you get very, very busy. And it's almost like in our society, the busier you are, or the busier you can make yourself seem to be to everyone else, then the more successful you are. When that's actually not the case at all, is it? And you more mature ones will, will know that's absolutely the case. And you probably look at some, some of this generation buzzing around and think, what on earth are they doing to themselves? I heard uh, Brian Houston from Hillsong Church. Uh, I was listening to one of his leadership uh, training things during the week. And I was hearing him speaking to uh, the younger generation. And he was speaking to them. And he was reminding them um, to keep perspective in the way they live and the way they operate. And I just thought, wow, that's such wisdom coming from a, you know, he's, he's now um, a young old man, and, um, and, but still carries a lot of energy. And um, see, see, you can't get offended when I say young old, can you? But there's a lot of wisdom that when we learn that to carry peace, it's an incredible thing. And so... Today I want to explore that a little bit. I want to start in John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. And it says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And this is the important part. Verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now this phrase hit me this week when I was reading it. That the Lord Jesus had to go and be with the Father so he could send to us Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit makes God known to us today. Without Holy Spirit, it would just be a story, an archaeological you know, fact or story about the events of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit came and brought the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we now have our blindfolds off. Our eyes can see the revelation of the cross. We can see Jesus for who he is, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord. And, but not only that, it says, verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The world cannot give us the peace that ultimately the human heart needs. There are many methods, styles and forms that we as human beings chase after, run after or try to attain to, to have success in life, to have um, busyness, to have money, to have um, happiness, and even peace. But all of these things will fail ultimately. 
ultimately all of these things will fail and fall short other than Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate peace. He's the only peace. Everything else is band-aiding. There's a lot of people, you can, you can look all around the world, and a lot of people have found a lot of ways to, to uh, attain a, quite a high level of human peace in their lives. You look at Buddhist monks, you look at you know, people like that who carry a lot of peace. They've learned to still themselves. They've learned to operate in a way that isn't through stress and busyness and pressure. And so there is a certain amount in our lives that we can take in the natural and say, I can live quite a peaceful life in the natural. But then that's only for this life. That's only for this, what's the average age now? Like 85, it's going to be 100 soon. And so it's only for these, you know, these 100 years. It's not a long time, is it? Those of you who have seen a few more years than me, you'll, you'll, you'll know, remember saying this every year. The years go quicker every single year. And wow, I can't, can't believe that time has just gone. It's now, you know, it's nearly 2017. And it won't be long before we're saying it's nearly 2018. And, you know, there's already plans in place for, you know, global plans for t- what's going to happen in 2050. Uh, you know, with our food supply and with resources and things like that. And so we're already thinking about that. And, and when we start to live our lives for the now, we recognize that it's very, very short. So we can try and do certain things. We can try and be as happy as we can. And all these things are good. Nothing wrong with any of them. Ultimately, when we die, they die with us. They die with us. Our peace dies with. If our peace is purely a natural peace, it dies with us. It must be mind, body, and spirit, all three. And ultimately, it's then our spirit that succeeds us in peace. And so there's three areas of our lives that I want to look at today. And uh, very obvious, I think they'd be the top three. If we did a survey this morning, what are the top three areas that you would like peace in? And they're probably another word for that is you would like success in or, or victories in. Uh, money, health, relationships. If you've ever um, glanced at a woman's magazine or, a, you know, one of those magazines, you know, in the shops, then normally you'll have one of these three as the heading on the front cover because they draw us in as a human race. We all have a desire to be healthy. We all have a desire to be successful. We all have a desire to have good relationships. We all have a desire to have enough money and to succeed and even thrive. And that's why we, we look at you know, Hollywood, we look at different realms and we admire them because there's something about what they have that we want. But ultimately, they all fall short. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10 about money, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, I don't want to be a hypocrite this morning. I quite enjoy money. I quite enjoy money. I think if we did a survey again this morning, we'd find that 99.9 or maybe even 100% of us enjoy having money. There's nothing wrong with that. It says in this verse here, that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. We've got to get the specifics on this. The love of money is a root. In other words, it is one source of all kinds of evil. It's not the only source of all kinds of evil. It's one source. And it's the love of money. So if we adore money, if we make money an idol, if we worship it, if we serve, if our lives serve money in that way, then we're beginning to fall into a trap of loving money. And then it can become evil. It can become sinful. 
But God doesn't like that. He wants to take kingship in our lives, not money. And so the, the area of money is one of those things that we can spend our whole lives really trying to build up so much that we'll get comfortable and we'll get enough. And, you know, it's, a, it's been a funny roller coaster ride for Karen and I because uh, particularly in business, we started out with basically nothing. And then very, very quickly, um, you know, on paper anyway, you never really see it, but on paper, your assets grow quite dramatically and ours grew quite dramatically into a, a big factory and a big company. And, and, uh, and so you begin looking at that going, wow, that's quite phenomenal. Um, not that you necessarily see it. And those of you who are in business will know what I'm talking about. There's an issue called cash flow. Um, but that's for another seminar, okay? Um, but the issue is you can begin to believe the, the press about yourself in the sense of, wow, okay, things are starting to happen. But very quickly you realize that, okay, this isn't actually making me any happier. Um, uh, okay, I can maybe do a few things now that I couldn't do before, but ultimately there's a core desire and demand of the human heart that money cannot satisfy. It will not satisfy. It absolutely can't. The next area is health. And... Um, Paul says in his letter to Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, this really summarizes everything I'm saying. Exercise, health, wholeness, well-being, all of this stuff, you know that we love that, and, and it's a big part of our lives. We put a priority on this area of our lives. However, if we do it just to become as successful and as happy in this life, it is short-lived. It's very short-lived. And, uh, I mean, you know, you can do anything you like. And there's many ways and shapes of keeping yourself young these days, isn't there? There's all sorts of operations you can get. And, you know, you can be 100 and you can look like you're 35 with enough things. But ultimately, we are going to die. We are going to die. You know, it's interesting because uh, I follow a couple of futuristic kind of uh, tech companies, and there's some who right now are 3D printing organs, body parts, organs, 3D printing them. Uh, and they're very, very close to getting these working, as in, you know, I don't know which organ exactly, but, you know, internal organs. And, and so um, when you see this stuff, you think, wow. You know, and, and then there's robots who can start making decisions and actually, you know, uh, robots who are going to start taking over the legal profession and giving us legal advice. And so we'll go in and we'll actually talk to a robot and it will tell us all the contractual issues and all that sort of stuff. And, and so the world, you know, you, you, the world is heading in this direction. And so you can begin to think, wow, maybe man is going to be successful enough to actually make the human race to a state where we don't have disease and where we don't have any issues, where we can just print a new organ if we need a new organ. And, or, and you can actually begin to think like that. Then I read the Bible and, and it says so clearly here, but godliness has value for all things, holding to the promise both for the present life and the life to come. There is a life to come which is a lot longer than the life we're currently living. The life to come is eternity. Eternity. It's forever. Uh, I remember um, Bay, our youngest, he asks a lot of questions. He's at that age where he's a lot of questions. So as soon as we're in the car, there's questions about money, there's questions about life, there's questions about all sorts of things. And it's funny, those of you who are parents, you'll know, you, you have to sort of think about some of these things, don't you? It's like, I don't even know how to answer that. But um, 
you know, some of the questions are about life and death and all this sort of stuff. And I, I, even this week, we're just having a conversation about this. And it's, it's interesting when you have to think it through yourself. It crystallizes some of the truth for us, doesn't it? And, and so we recognize that our lives are very short. We only have a short time here on earth. And what we do here on earth will affect our lives in eternity. And so our health, although it's a very important part, it's only a temporal part. Then our relationships. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We can have a whole lot of friends around us. We can have people who, are, who we love having time with and family, friends, and, all, and it's good to do that. All these things are good to do. None of these things I'm speaking against, but I want to highlight the temporal nature of all of these things. They are limited to our life now, not going to affect too much about eternity. And so our relationships, ultimately our key relationship is with Jesus Christ. That is our key covenant relationship that we have when we believe in him, when we know him, and so we talk with him. We listen to him. We try and understand, what do you want me to do in this area? If we're not placing him and asking him in these sorts of things in our lives about our jobs and our relationships and our lifestyle, our work, uh, you know, different aspects of our life, then he's not at number one. Then he's not a priority. And so this is saying here, Jesus wants to be closer than a brother. He wants to be intimately close with you and with me, speaking to us, teaching us, having fun with us, enjoying things. I think that all these three areas are the better off when we have Jesus. The issue is that sometimes as Christians, we, ha- we put this pressure on ourselves. I want you to hear me on this because I think this is a classic Christian syndrome. When we believe in Jesus, when we get born again and we get saved, somehow in our psyche or maybe in church life, there is a mentality or a pressure that we then live under that everything needs to be perfect. That now I believe in Jesus. Now, okay, my job's going to sort itself out and my families will sort itself out. Now I've got to be a perfect person. And now this sort of stuff. And so, and then, you know, maybe 10 years into being a Christian or 15 or whatever it is, a certain amount in, we realize, hey, just because I got born again, it didn't change every other aspect of my life. There were still things in me that needed transforming. And this is the transforming power of the cross. We believe in Jesus. He cleanses us. He washes us of everything from the past. He makes us clean and white as snow, and our spirits are one with him. And then the transforming heart of God desires to go right through every aspect of our life. And it takes the rest of our life. I don't know. Some of you maybe who are at 60, you say, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm perfect. I don't know. I certainly can't say that right now. But the transforming power of the cross, see, the cross was a finished work, but we're not. So the cross, the power of the cross is in the process of transforming us into his likeness. Because I don't see too many people that are exactly like Jesus Christ walking around. I don't see too many Christians. Therefore, it's a transforming journey, isn't it? Transforming journey of Becoming like him, letting him renew our minds, letting him transform our hearts. And so then 
when we place him in that position of priority in our lives, that transforming power takes place in our money, in our relationships, in our health. And so one of the ways that, and, and Karen and I, you know, might be when we're walking or exercising or even the way we eat now, everything we do in that aspect for our health, our physical health, we actually look at and go, it's incredible. And I know a lot of you are on this journey as well. You do the same thing. It's incredible that God made so much healing power in our food. I mean, some of it tastes disgusting, but it's good for you. I won't go on a rabbit trail, but you know. But it's, it's amazing the healing power that God himself has put in some food and drink. And, and when we acknowledge that, rather than worshipping the, the food and then that becoming our little small God version of how we live now, because a lot of people do that. They get onto this health track and health, health, health. Everything's health. Everything's health. Hang on. It's a God. See, it's, it's got to be him and then through the creator, through Jesus, we then transform our lives through health. And same with our relationships. When you became born again, I'm sure every relationship didn't just sort itself out and become perfect. No, the transforming power of Jesus Christ in us then begins to transform the way we relate to other people. So those little grudges that we've been holding for years, the transforming power, don't expect them to change. The power of the cross says you change. The power of Jesus and his transforming life actually is confrontational to us personally. And he says to me, when I'm having an issue with someone else, don't expect them to change. Don't put that pressure on yourself or on them. You change. You change. That's the power of the cross. Because then all of a sudden, I'm operating out of the life of Jesus Christ. And I'm not putting a pressure on anyone else I am taking responsibility and I'm saying, Jesus, you are in me. What is your response? What is your response? doesn't mean we have to let people walk all over us or abuse us or do anything like that. But it means we operate out of the cross. We operate out of the new man. We operate out of new thinking. And it's transforming. It transforms everything. I think I've tapped into about point you know, zero, zero, five percent of the power of this. And even that little percentage that I've been able to tap into, it changes my thinking. And, and I really don't have grudges anymore. I can say that actually quite honestly. It was interesting. I went in this week back to the company that we sold and we own the factory. And I went in there and um, I was walking around with a production manager and just sort of looking through the place. And, and, um, and quite a few of the employees that I had Way back when I first started, even a couple of them were with me prior to me buying the company, are still there. And, and they walked up to me and they shook my hand and they were so honoring. And it was so, actually quite a healing for me um, because I hadn't had a chance to do that. But I, I went up and, I, and I, I realized, wow, wow, I haven't got any hang-ups, you know, because there were some trials and some troubles that took place, even in that building, to be honest with you. And you'll know, if you've had issues before, sometimes even a, even a place can have bad memories. But God will redeem them. He will redeem them. He'll redeem them when we begin to live in the transforming power of the cross because he wants to bring light in the darkness. He wants to bring truth in the lie. He wants to bring out, the cross out of us so that we operate like Jesus operated. And it's an incredible thing. The weird thing that I have found over a few years of my life is that the process of dying to live actually is a necessity. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't it interesting that God, all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing, or if we, if we just take the present bit for a moment, he's omnipresent, all-present, releases his son Jesus, and I've tried to find the opposite to omnipresent, and there isn't one single word, but it's called limited. He limited his presence to Jesus. Now, God's still in heaven. He's still all-powerful, still all-knowing, but he brings Jesus to earth. See, for example, Jesus wasn't in 10 places at once, was he? He was in one place at once. So he was present in one place at a time. Some of you theologically are checking on me right now. I can, I can feel it. That's okay. Go and check. See if you can find where Jesus was in 10 places at once or even two places. He was in one place at once. And so God, for some reason, limited himself into the form of a human. You and me. Fully God, fully man. There's my theology on it, right? Fully God, fully man. And in one man, he distilled all of his presence, all of his power into that man who had to die Go to heaven, and then what happens? He releases all his presence again in the Holy Spirit. So the world started with all of the presence of God all over the earth. Then it got distilled into Jesus momentarily for 33 years, and then Holy Spirit was released to redeem creation, to redeem the earth so the presence of God, you and I can enter into the presence of God freely with no rules, no regulation, no requirements. We can even be a sinner and enter the presence of God and not die because of the grace of God. Sin is still sin. We need to repent of it and get our lives cleaned up. However, God's invitation is for all to come into his presence. And so Holy Spirit was released all over the earth. Now, I find it interesting that there was a, a, a releasing, a dying, a releasing. And I've found that to be a little bit true with different things in my life. You may have found the same in your life. That maybe some things early in your life that there was a vision and a passion for that have died now. And you just dead and buried those things. Maybe you just absolutely tossed it into the ocean because it's that bad a memory. But it's funny how if we will allow the Lord to sanctify those things and to bring his holiness and his truth and life and, and, and see what he will bring, sometimes, maybe not all the time, sometimes he brings life back to those things. He brings life back to those things. I think this is the process of grace. It's the process of grace. God loves us so much that maybe we've stuffed up. Maybe we got it wrong 20 years ago. Maybe we did it out of our own ego or out of our own agenda. Maybe we got it wrong. But there was something in there that was from God. And he let it die and he will resurrect it. He will bring it back to life. But he'll bring it back to life so that it's pure and it's holy and it's living and it's fresh. And now he's grown your maturity level and he's brought character. And I know this is true for me, that, that even in the area for money, for example, that, that I have a whole lot more wisdom when I operate in the area of money than what I used to. And so now there's a blessing on my decision-making 
because that I didn't used to have because I've learned from the living, the dying, the living process. Through the dying process, it killed off a lot of the dross. It killed off a lot of the agenda, the ego, and the bad decision-making. See, the dying is a necessary process. If you're in the dying phase this morning of any aspect of your life, allow it to happen. Because another word for it is sanctification. Another word for it is holiness. Another word for it is repentance. Another word for it is the grace and love of a father who wants to bring you through. He wants to resurrect you. He wants to resurrect your heart, your life, your vision, your desires, your gifts, your talents, and everything that he's put inside of you. He wants to bring it back to life. But sometimes we have to recognize the dying process. James Gold, when he was here some years ago, I don't know, four or five years ago, and, and some things were tough, uh, you know, in transition. And he, I've told you this story before, but, you know, he, he just looked at us and went, mm, how old are you? And he went, mm, the years of the cross. <laughs> and I just slapped him in the face. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I did, would never do that. But my head did. Do you ever have those moments where you just do something in your head and you think, if only they knew what I just did right then? <laughs> But he was right. But he was right. And of course, after the event, you can look now and you can say, wow, wow. Even though that was tough, we hung in there. Even though that was, that was a hard journey, we hung in there. Catherine said when she was here, she just loved the atmosphere. Loved the atmosphere. She loved you guys. And she loved the presence of God, the peace, the safety, and the anointing in this place. Now, that's come about through the dying. Through the dying. You guys, us, everyone. And if you've just joined us in the last six months, you're part of that. It's, it's what happens in, in a journey, isn't it? But there's something that's been whirling in my mind in the last few weeks even. And I, I even felt to say this this morning, and this is certainly true of us. But don't let your insecurities of the past be the limiting factors for your future. Don't let the insecurities or even the failures of the past determine the results in the future. Because those things can die now. If you've learned your lesson, if you've journeyed, if you're sanctified in that area and you've asked the Lord for whatever the wisdom, the counsel, the, the shining his light on your life and your situation, then learn the lesson and ask the Lord, okay, Lord, I want to move on now. I want to move on to greatness. I want to move on to what you have for me. And it's interesting that everything, everything we do, if it's centered on Jesus, will succeed. If we ultimately want to succeed, if we stay close to Jesus, closer than a brother, closer than a sister, or any of the closest person you can, you cannot go wrong. It doesn't mean life is going to be perfect all the time, but it means you're going to hear right, you're going to get counsel, you're going to get wisdom, truth, life, if we're truly hearing from him. I mean from his word, from the Holy Spirit, from his voice, spending time with him, listening to watching people who really know Jesus closely. See, this is how, this is how I operate in learning to hear from God. It's, it's not just sitting, humming and you know, pointing my fingers or crossing my legs or doing anything in particular to try and zone in. So, and you, know, you might spend 
an hour sometimes, like I, might, I do sometimes, and my mind wanders for the first 20 minutes, and I go, oh, 20 minutes wasted. You know, I was just thinking about the fly buzzing around the room this morning, you know. So annoying when you do that. The dying is a necessary process. And if we allow it to happen, he will bring to life the dream bigger and better than before. And I want to encourage you that in, through wisdom and character and all that you've learned, and this is something I, I say to myself and Karen and I remind ourselves, there's nothing wrong. Dare to dream again. Believe again. Listen again. Hear again. Uh, uh, envision your life again. Because we are to live lives of those who have an abundant life. An abundant life. And an abundant life is a life with Jesus. And when he's transforming us, he transforms your money. He transforms your relationships. He transforms your health. Uh, and as we learned in Germany when we were listening to some of the people, the way they would talk is so peaceful. It's so peaceful and there was no rushing or stress. And so now we try and operate like that as much as we can. It's staying in the peace of God, not in the pressure cooker of life, not in the demands. Now, it still means sometimes you get busy. You know, there might be 20 things to do. Okay, let's knock them off, but we're going to do them in peace. We're not going to do it in chaos or panic or disorder or, you know, the place is going to fall apart. No, we do it in peace. And one of the greatest ways to have peace is to have peace with God. If we don't have peace with God, if there's unforgiveness in our heart, if there's issues of life, if there's resentment toward other people, we will not have peace with God because there'll always be an agitation in our spirit and we'll never fully succeed because people can sense agitation in someone's spirit. You might not know what it is, but it's not an attractive trait. An attractive trait is when someone carries the peace of God. They carry the peace of God. You, you want to listen to them. You want to be around them. What is that in them? It's the peace of God. And I think this is such a quality that we as Christians sometimes forget to recognize in our life. Having peace, peace with our money, peace with our health, peace with our relationships. It surpasses all understanding, the Bible says. And I want to take us right back to John 14, 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Do not be troubled or afraid. There's things in the world right now that can be a little bit concerning and we can look at these things and we can think, oh my goodness, what is going to happen in the world in the next five years, ten years? And we can become to, to listen to the fear. Fear does not come from heaven. It does not come from heaven. It doesn't matter how, you know, how much passion we have for a particular cause. If there's an element of fear in it, then that's not what we listen to. We listen to the Lord. We listen to his peace. He walked out on the water when it was storming and raging and he carried peace. Wherever he operated, Jesus had peace. He calmed people. He calmed storm because he knew the Father and he listened to the Father. He had an inner confidence about what was going to happen and about how he was to conduct himself. When we carry ourselves like this, there's so much authority in this. There's so much authority in this. And... You know, when you think about it, if we truly connect with Jesus in this way, if we allow the dying and then we connect with him, put him at number one and we, and we listen to him and we go to him for the peace that he wants to give us, then we ultimately have everything we need to be able to satisfy our human desire for here and for the next world. 
The next world is a lot longer than this world. Jesus is really the only place where we can go past the clutter. Past the storms of life, we have to go to Jesus. When there might be life or death situations, where do we go? We go to Jesus. Sure, we might get help from people along the way, but when it's really, really critical, we go to Jesus. When we're in desperate need for something, and you know, maybe we've tried you know, all the different areas, if it's money, we've tried the bank, we've tried relatives, we've tried whoever else we can think of, and uh, you know, that maybe there's just not the opportunity there. Well, then we go to Jesus, but if we put Jesus first, we go to him first. We go to him first and saying, what do you maybe want to train or teach me in this situation? So that we don't panic, we don't try and go to all the four winds of the earth, but we go to him and we find his peace. The person we go to for the impossible is the same one we need to find true peace. The person we go to for the impossible when everything's falling apart is the same person we go to when we need peace. It's Jesus. He's not just a band-aid. He's not just a fix-up. He's not just someone who's going to you know, try and fix the lives of everyone in Onkaparinga region. He wants to bring peace. And I'm not just about bringing you know, peace, peace versus war argument, that sort of thing. I mean actually peace so that we carry the kingdom of God, the peace of God. It surpasses all understanding. So you could have the most knowledgeable people in, in your sphere of influence, but they won't carry anything if they don't have the peace of God. But if you carry the peace of God, you will have authority over that room because you carry the peace of God. It's a blessed thing, isn't it? It's a really, really blessed thing. And so that's, that's our heart. This is certainly something that Karen and I continually remind each other. We, we make sure that we make decisions out of unity. Then we have peace. We make decisions that line up with the word of God, then we have peace. We make decisions that, that line up with good character and wisdom and sound counsel and all of these things, then we have peace. And then if we, you know, uh, I mean, every now and then I make a silly little share investment that I, turns belly up, okay? But, you know, ultimately, as long as I follow my... I've actually written myself some rules if for life... I need this kind of discipline. Maybe some of you don't. You just sort of operate. But I need this kind of... I've actually written some out so that I've got guidelines for keeping that. And um, at, particularly when it comes to investing. And so it's something that I take seriously because I've learned that you can't buy peace. You cannot buy it. You cannot buy it. We live it. He's a person. And when we really, really allow him to transform our heart into his likeness, because that's his desire, that we would become like him, then we're going to carry that peace. Let's stand this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of peace. And that you give us the gift that no man can give us. And Lord, it's not even just temporal to this life. It's an eternal peace that we have the knowledge of God. We have the knowledge of a Savior who died on the cross, washed us of every sin. And Lord, you've made us clean. You've made us white. You've made us whole. And Lord, you want to transform our lives, every area of our lives. And I pray peace over us today. I pray fruitfulness over us. If you're here this morning and you have not connected your life to Jesus Christ or you've fallen away from him and you've put him at second place. And this could be for anyone. This could be for someone who's been saved for 40 years. If you've 
put Jesus as second place and other things have taken priority. I want to pray this morning for anyone who wants that opportunity to find Jesus and place him right at number one. Right at number one. Everyone with your eyes closed, just raise your hand this morning if you want to do that with me because I want to pray with you. I want to believe with you. Yeah, that's awesome. 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 Thank you, God. Yeah, I'm going to give another 30 seconds because I believe this prayer is going to shift some priorities in lives this morning. So if you want to place him number one, give away your grudges. Give away your issues. Give away negativity. Give away blockages because Jesus wants precedence. He wants number one. He wants all of you and all of me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want everyone just to pray this after me. Lord Jesus. Thank you for the power of the cross. Thank you for the peace that surpasses all understanding. And this morning, I lay down every other thing between me and Jesus. And I ask Lord Jesus, come and be number one in my life. I want to live close to you. I want to hear your voice. Transform me. Sanctify me. Cleanse me. And raise me up as a new believer. Full of faith. Full of fruit. And full of victory. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you this morning for everyone who did that. And Lord, I pray that you would by your Holy Spirit, bring a fresh awareness of this transforming power called peace, this transforming truth called peace, that when we talk with people, when we operate in different realms of life, when we make decisions, Lord, I pray that your peace would lead the way. Holy Spirit, I just pray even right now, if you've got pain in your body right now, just place your hand on that area of your body. I just want to pray that the Lord would lift that pain off your body and bring healing. And uh, so, Lord, we thank you for your healing power. And I ask this morning, Lord, that you would rebuke every ailment. You would rebuke every sickness, every pain in Jesus' name. And Lord, we take authority over sickness and disease and pain this morning in Jesus' name. And I ask that you would release your healing power right through bodies now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let, let your transforming power transform sick bodies in Jesus' name. All sickness, go right now. All pain, leave in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Disease, leave in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just speak life. We speak victory. We speak the healing power of Jesus over every ailment. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the healings on Wednesday night. And Lord, we ask that you would increase your healing presence in us, through us, around us, in this building, in our lives. Lord, increase the healing anointing. Increase your presence. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. We expect good reports. We expect good reports. And Lord, we ask even this week, for an increase, an increase. I pray for anyone who's had 
lack of peace, who's had the storms raging around your life, in Jesus' name, I just speak peace. I speak blessing. I speak the peace of God that surpasses every situation you're going through right now, every confusion, every doubt, fear, money issue, debt, job, relational strife, sickness, particularly confusion. Some who are here this morning have confusion raging in their heads. In Jesus' name, I speak peace. I speak peace over your mind. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are the comforter. You are the counselor. You are our helper. You are our lover. I pray you'd be so close this week. You would draw us in this week. Draw us in this week, Jesus. Lord, I pray the covering of the blood of Jesus over every person here. I pray a blessing over our decisions, over our money, over our bodies, over our relationships, over our coming, our going, over our works, our, our, our families, over our workplaces, our study places. Lord, over our minds, over our dreams, over everything we do and say. In Jesus' name, we give you all the glory. joining us on the Harvest Australia podcast. For more information and events in the life of Harvest Australia Church, please visit harvestaustralia.org.